0: Welcome back to part two of the Grassroots Minor Hockey Show podcast, and now from Scandinavia. And we continue in part two with David Glaslow and Frederick Mailing talking about David's upcoming ventures in Finland, parents in minor hockey in Norway, and what the future holds. All right, let's get over to Finland. You are going to uh, Vasa, have I pronounced it right? That, uh, as far as I know.
1: I'm still learning my Finnish v- again. So
0: Okay, V-A-A-S-A, which yep. is on the coast of the Gulf of Bothnia. So for those of you who are into geography, the Gulf of Bothnia, which is between uh-huh. Sweden and, and Finland, feeds into the Baltic Sea. And from the Baltic Sea, you get to everywhere else on the planet. So why Vasa?
1: Uh, Frederick, are you going there as well? Uh, I'm staying no. here, but he's going to come there. visit. He's he's already he's gonna... uh, threatened me that he's going to come visit. So, so that's a flight of about how long? Uh, it's three flights. So it's Stavanger to flights. Oslo. Yep. Oh geez. Uh, oh, okay. Got to get to Oslo first, which takes an hour. Yep. Oslo to Helsinki, which is another hour, hour oh. and a half. Uh, hour and a half. Hour and a half, maybe two, on a windy day, and then Helsinki. <laughs> Helsinki to Vasa is uh, just under a one-hour flight.
0: Yeah, and for uh, people
1: who are wondering, why not just
0: jump on a train? You have that body of water that yeah. would pose an issue.
1: Yes. And, and I could drive through Sweden, um, but the COVID regulations right now, I would have to keep the windows rolled up and I would not be allowed to afraid. stop. If, if I stopped and, and got out of my car for any reason, I would have to get COVID tested 14 more times. Uh, so I'm flying and, and it's okay. easier. Um, All right, so what, so what brings you to VASA? They, their job posting was specifically for uh, what they call a club coach, meaning I work for the club. I would be in charge of the coaches who are volunteers for the teams. And it's the specific U13 and U14 age groups.
0: So could you, I mean, you described to me when we first spoke, I mean, I'm pretty familiar with how the club system works in Europe, Mm -hmm. Um, but the club system in Finland, you can give me sort of the top down, there are 12 regions, et cetera, et cetera.
1: 12 regions uh, in Finland, each region, uh, the Finns took their world championship money about 10 years ago, nine years ago, uh, and they put it into hiring regional coaches who work for the Federation as skill development guys. They go to the clubs in their region and they work with the coaches in those clubs to develop the skills that are going to create the Finnish hockey player. And so it's it's very interesting that you can look at these clubs and each club has its own unique whatever for how they want their hockey player to look. But then you add this, another, uh, this secondary layer of they look this way, but they also are Finns. So they're going to play that way at the national level. So all of these clubs in Finland and, and Sweden similar, their, their federation is very strong and getting out and teaching these clubs. This is what we want out of Swedish players. Uh, So the Finnish players, if you look at the guys who are in the NHL, you can tell that they're Finns. The way they play, you don't even have to look at the last name and see the the funky vowels or anything. You can just look at them and go, oh, that's a Finn. He does this. He skates like that. and you know, your your prototypical old school fin is, is Temu Solani. Everybody knows exactly you know what a fin looks like because Temu was was that. Oh Yari Curry so he wasn't to, too bad either. No, he wasn't too bad. He was uh he was pretty decent no. passer. Yeah. <laughs> Not bad.
0: Yeah. He's a yep. There have been and, a few.
1: Yeah. And then we can go to the goalies. You know, you, you look at Rask and you look at at all the Finnish goalies. And and so then you have that other layer of the Finns decided early on, if we put a goalie coach on the ice with our youth and our junior teams on a regular basis, goaltending is going to get better. And it was amazing because you pay attention to the goalies and all of a sudden they're stopping more pucks. Yeah, what a novel thought. Yeah. Instead of having a coach like me just go, okay, I'm going to shoot 10 pucks at your glove. Okay. Good. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, so that's why I've got this guy sitting next to me, because I just kind of push mm-hmm. all of that that goalie nonsense over to him and say, mm-hmm. you, you take care of those guys. You're better at it than mm-hmm. me. Right. Uh, so so yeah. I'm going to be in a region with, so I'll have a, a regional coach who will come around. He'll work with me and it'll work with the, the different teams that I'm working with. I have a coaching director who's in charge of all the junior teams. So um, U18 and down. And I think he actually takes care of the U20 as well and down. And he's in charge of, he's your, your hockey director. He's in charge of the coaches. He's in charge of the program. He's, he's getting his direction from the board. uh, And, and the board laid out what they want. And he said, okay, well, if that's what you want, then this is what we're going to need to to have. These are the resources. um, And this is what we can do uh and so they hired me and they're hiring another person to take care of U12 all the way down to U8. I'm taking care of U13 and U14. I'll have 65 kids and we'll divide them into three age groups and what they're doing different this year is they're mixing the kids by age and then dividing them by skill level. So rather than having a single birth year and saying, okay, well, we have one and a half teams at this one birth year, we have some really good players. We have a lot of middle players. We got some really beginner learn to play players. Nope. They're going to actually just mix all 65 together and say, here's our AAA group. And if we have U13s playing on this AAA group with the U14s, that's fine. We're good with that. So it kind of goes back to the days when, when we were growing up where the age levels were, were two-year age levels uh, before AAA said, no, we're going to go with single birth year. Um, and then there's actually a guy who also works for the club, and he's their, their skill guy. Uh, but he's going to stay focused on, on the age groups below mine. The goalie director only works with the oldest teams, so that's something that they've already said that they're going to look at. They, they need to find that resource um, and they need to find the money to pay that resource. Uh, the, for the, the younger teams, you mean? For the younger teams. They need a the goalie. They need a goalie yeah. a goalie instructor for the younger teams. Yes. And so one of the things that I'm going to look at is, are there any U-20 players, U-20 goalies that want to come out and, and help out the, the U-13 and the U-14 goalies once a week and, you know, I'll I'll go to the club and we'll see if we can find a sponsor to to kick in a few euros to, to pay this guy. Um, now, this is your full time. This is your full time gig, and that's You've been the doing this difference. Yeah. Yes. Uh, why? Why is that? I I couldn't do this in the U.S. Um, I couldn't be an well, age group
0: coach. No, you couldn't. But they, from what I saw in the states doing the hockey schools down there, you would have private rinks they would hire, hire a hockey director usually right. some 23 year old guy who just finished playing in the east coast league met a local girl i don't know how many times i heard this met a local girl got married to the local girl in some you know little area of the south stuck around town became the hockey director at 25 grand a year or something and did another job at the same time and had a very nice life And that's the way the hockey directors worked in the
1: Southern U S at the time. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is my full-time job. Um, I've Mm. now done it for eight years. So Finland, now Denmark, uh, now Norway, back to Finland. Uh, And it's, it's, it's the vocation. It's, it's the passion calling. Um, And so when Vasa offered me, only U13 and U14. I'm sitting here going back to, you know, that's my wheelhouse. Perfect. Great. I've done this before. I kind of have an idea of, of what you guys are talking about. They, they laid out a description of what they want the club to be known for. And so part one was we want our club to be a parent's first choice when they are thinking about having their kids start to play sport. So we want them to bring their kid to the hockey rink because they know that this is going to be the best place for their kid to be. We're going to take care of this kid. We're going to raise this kid. We're going to treat him as our own. We're going to have a safe environment. We're going to have a fun environment. Forget football, forget baseball, forget all of these other sports, bring your kid to the hockey club. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, so that was part one. And then part two is, is they want to be a top 10 hockey program in Finland. And they've got, they've got not only the numbers, but the ideas of what that means. So they want X number of players playing national team on a regular basis. They want, uh, they want NHL draft picks. They want, they want the local boys that are not good enough for the NHL to be playing on their pro team in their own town. Now, how does that impact the approach that you're going to take with these kids or does it? It, it has a tremendous impact because they've already said we want kids coming out of our program need to be excellent skaters, not just in skating drills, but actually in a game. And, and so, you know, my buddy Ted Sweeken and I talk a lot about this and he's all for game. Like everything is game. Like how do, how do we transfer what we're doing in practice to actual game? So they don't want just kids who can, Um, and and i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about the internet skill uh the instagram skill coaches they don't want the kid who can simply put his elbow down on the ice while he's doing a an inside edge Hmm. um they want a kid who can actually make a play off of his inside edge coming from behind the net or coming out of the corner or or coming across the blue line or whatever so so that's already impacted you know If you're going to have uh, training plans and the goal is to have excellent skaters, skating has to be a fundamental part of every single training plan. Uh, They want really good puck skills. We're not talking about stick handling. We're talking about making plays with the puck. So that incorporates uh, the shooting and the stick handling and the passing. So the technical has to be high level, but Included in that is the decision-making. So how do you have these these kids, how do you put them into practices where they're having to make decisions on how to make this pass? Is this a saucer pass? Is this a backhand pass? Is this a a soft pass? Or is this a, a hard pass? Do I bank it off the wall to get it in front of this guy? How do you keep on incorporating these decisions while also trying to teach them all of these passing techniques? So this is definitely it's, impacting my, my thought process. It sounds like the, the club,
0: and of course, in turn, the Finnish Ice Hockey Federation, have developed a sort of um, a mission statement or a vision for what they want out of the organization, out of the age level, and ultimately out of people such as yourself and Frederick for the kids and, and for the players and goalies. Whereas in North America, the club system doesn't really exist except in very specific circumstances and perhaps only at the elite levels you know a midget elite junior elite but Mm -hmm. they don't have any kind of mission or vision they just you know let's hope we have a good cohort coming up from the 13 year olds to the 14 year olds and if they're good enough maybe we'll get a couple of good kids out of it and and take it from there you know there's no overarching uh, theme to the approach being taken I would think that in your situation, this would be you, what you're going to experience is going to be preferable, more
1: preferable. Yes, and it's something that I was trying to bring to both the, the Danish club and the Norwegian club,
0: um, and they, but,
1: they the term the term they use is the red line. Uh, so what is what is the uh, what is the template? What is the the pathway? What is the red line that we're going to all follow? Or the yellow brick road. I mean, you exactly. could follow the yellow brick road. Yes. Well, and, and the, I, I think we have a lot of coaches um, in, in both of these countries that I just mentioned that they are following the yellow brick road. One of them is the Tin Man. One of them is is Alice. Uh, one of them is, you know, <laughs> who's, the, who's Alice? Oh, I know this coach in, in Denmark is he's, he's definitely Alice um he's definitely putting no together and no, wait a second wait a second there's no alice It's dorothy alice is in wonderland i'm sorry i, I mixed my uh my metaphors there <laughs> wow <I mixed> my <laughs> and you taught english about. right yeah i taught yeah. english okay and i brought in yeah. alice in wonderland into that well oh no, Al- alice and the chest i fell Chesh- alice- for the
0: rabbit hole yes you did and it was alice in the cheshire cat cheshire cat up in the tree saying asking alice you know where would you like to go i i don't know well if you don't know where to go any road will
1: take you there <laughs> very true so but yeah there's there's no one coaching philosophy in in these these other countries and and i'm not saying that we we should have one philosophy but like you said that mission statement of this is what we want our kids to look like five years from now ten years from now
0: right Um, right
1: and and the parents in both of these countries want that and they're begging for that they're begging these clubs to do that uh, but then we we develop these uh, what what are called sports plans, but they're not really sports plans. They're um, cover my own butt plan. So if I if mm-hmm. I decide to pull this kid up, I can refer back to the sports plan and say, "See, it was written there, and you you uh, by signing your kid as a member of our club, you agreed to it.
0: Is there a goalie instruction plan in the club?
1: In our club, uh, in my current in the club, one you're
0: going to. No, the one you're going to.
1: Not yet. And
0: So you're going to bring Frederick over as a guest. You're bringing Frederick over as a guest coach type of thing?
1: That type of thing. Um, I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to talk to the, the older goalies in the program and see if they want to help the younger kids um, and see if we can actually get some kind of, of cost effective plan going. It's It's expensive it's really expensive to have one coach whose only job is two kids or four kids. And so how to, how to spread that out, how to, uh, without putting a kid, you know, without putting Frederick on the ice for nine hours a day so we can coach all 18 boys in our program.
0: But you, you said in in the U14, U13 that you're going to have, you'll have 65 kids of which how
1: many will be goaltenders approximately? I believe there's five well, and that leaves 60, 60, 60 skaters. skaters. So it's about, it's about three game groups of 20 skaters and the goalies are spread out among them. Um, you but have 20 skaters and a dressed for a game. I don't know the answer to that yet, but I know in oh, my practices, yeah. in my practices, I'm going to have, uh, three different groups of 20 and okay. 40 of them will share the ice on a regular basis. Okay, Um, But I actually one of the one of the fascinating things about this job is I'm actually not uh, there to coach the games. I'm there to help the trainers run practices. I'm there to help the trainers Mm -hmm. understand how we take these ideas from practice into the game and then how we backtrack and take the what's going on in the game and use that as a checklist for we're we're doing well in these things in practice. So with sixty five, well, let's take sixty kids, sixty skaters, yep. and two or three of
0: them will be goal. T- two or three others will be goaltenders, I guess, on the ice with you right. at the same time. Yep, right. So when you have forty guys, forty on the ice, we're talking about three groups like A, B, C. So it'd be A, B, B, C, C, A on at the same time, something like that. Something like that. So, all right. So you'd have forty kids on the ice, and you'd be running station based. Uh training, I, I presume,
1: or what a lot a lot of station based and game-based. Uh okay. small area games, small space small games. Small area games. Um, I've actually talked to them that 40 is a little bit too much to run really effective small area games with this age group. There's too many when you're playing any any variation below uh, three on three, even three on three is not enough kids moving. No, right, yes. So we get 12 kids moving. That means we had 28 kids standing still. Right. Um, so even after three shifts, we still have somebody who hasn't played hockey in the last three minutes. Correct.
0: Yeah, you're um, right on the edge of it being too many. Yes.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's figuring out, okay, we'll have a small area game in practice, but the practice is going to be station based. And station number right. four is this small area game over in that area.
0: Right. Okay. Um,
1: and, and this is what I've actually been doing in Norway with my team. I have 40 kids in one age group. So I've been doing a lot of these practices. So I have an idea of how to manage these and how to organize them. Uh, and it's just figuring out what, what do the coaches that are running these groups over there already know? Um, what do they want to learn? What do they want to know different? Um, how do they want to incorporate the small games? And, and my, feeling is that we don't just play three on three cross ice to play three on three cross ice. There's a time and a place for that. I'd rather have some sort of uh, constraint in the game that says, Rule. Uh, we're going to, yes. we're going to play the Gretzky game. So yes. you, you can only score if you pass from behind the net. Right.
0: So I'm, I'm assuming that uh, you've been in touch with my good buddy in Calgary, Dean
1: Holden about game based uh instruction and letting the game be the teacher and all that kind of stuff yes dean dean and i good. have spoken uh, many times uh we're now uh, whatsapp friends on a regular basis uh he right. sends me incredible articles and uh yeah and every now and then something else it's kind of fun
0: okay good david what a fascinating education for listeners and for myself about what goes on in another part of the world with with hockey and there are a lot of things that are very similar and a lot of things that, that are obviously very different. I mean, you mentioned to me when we were talking on the phone that parents can be difficult as they yep. are anywhere in, in any, exactly. any endeavour involving children. Yep. Uh, they can be challenging. Um, just on that note, what have you noticed? About, I mean, uh, Frederick, you too. What, what have you noticed about the approach by parents to their kids playing the game? Are they very demanding? Or is, it only, or is it only demanding for the better ones?
1: I, I mean, as a goalie coach, I guess I'm luckier because the parents are usually just very happy that there's somebody there to pay attention to their kid and help them be, be better at their sport. Uh, oh. So for me, 99% of the time, it's just parents being thankful and uh Uh, appreciating the work that I'm doing. So in that way, I'm lucky. But then again, you know, you sit in the coach's locker room and you listen to everybody else who who picks the teams and who who runs practices. And I realized that I'm uh, I'm pretty lucky because um, yeah, without a doubt, like parents can be very demanding. No question about it. And the before U13, so U13 and under in Norway, there's a national law uh, that all sports federations have to follow that every child is given the equal opportunity to play. And it's a wonderful law with a lot of good intention behind it. How do we define what is an equal opportunity? Mm-hmm. Because I have 40 players in my age group in Norway, I have to divide them into three teams so that they all can have games to play. Another club only has 13 kids in its age group, so they only need to have one team. So the easy way for my mind to to figure out how to divide these teams is, okay, I'll put the better kids here, I'll put the medium kids here, and I'll put the, the lower kids over there. And then one of the parents from one of the lower kids says, no, 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 that's not what this law means. My kid wants to play with his friends and his friends are over on that team. And then the federation comes in and it says, all the teams have to be of equal skill level. So I have to actually match skill levels. But another part of the rule says that you're not allowed to judge kids on their skill level. So I'm trying to match kids by skill level without actually looking at their skill level. Cause I'm not allowed to judge the skill level of the kid. I can only, so it's these types of, of things that really put a lot of pressure on me for the first two years I was here. And then we move up to U14 hockey and U14 hockey doesn't have this rule anymore. So I don't have to provide equal opportunity, but the club likes us to provide equalish opportunity. A kid doesn't have to show up to practice, ever, and can still play in a game up through U13. He can show up on Saturday unannounced, and you have to put a jersey on him, and you have to give him the same number of shifts as everyone else. And there's, there's no shaking your head. There's no, there's no nothing. You just do it. Um, and again, the intent of this rule is wonderful because kids deserve the chance to play. But it means you've got these kids who show up to practice every single time they come to the the stick and pucks the the open hockey they they come to the extra skill session that is being run after school uh they they do the workouts and they're on the same line as this kid who never comes to practice and they're just pulling their hair out um so one of the things that i tried to do very um Hard a lot is to make my practices enjoyable enough that all the kids wanted to be a practice. And I was pretty successful. I think I had about 80% on a regular basis showing up to practice. What a
0: novel thought. Imagine trying to create a practice that everybody wants to come to.
1: Exactly. And, and that, but that also includes the higher level players and they don't want to practice on the same, you know, in the same station with the kid who can't catch the puck. So we did all of that. And then this year, Now we're dividing the team by skill level and we're allowed to. And that means these kids get a slightly different opportunity than those kids. The one piece that remained constant was I was the coach of every single kid. So every single kid got the same coaching. And I like that because I go back to the North American model and I'm looking at the AAA coaches and these are guys who, yes, they've played the game, but they're also pretty educated in how to coach the game. And a lot of them are very good at working with whatever age group that they're working with. And I look at the same age group at the house, house league level and, or, the, or the A level or the B level, and these are guys that, you know, they, they're like my assistant coach. They're really, really well-meaning, uh, passionate volunteers who might not have the ability to progress that kid up. And, and who's mentoring that guy? It sounds like
0: that law might be more suitable, you know, certainly in hockey, for kids 10 and under as opposed to 13 and under. You could probably build a better case for that age group than once they get to 11 or 12, 13 years old.
1: Yep, and that's that's a huge discussion, especially in in the Hockey Federation. Um, and because the Hockey Federation, hockey goes across uh, October to April, we hit that uh, 13-year-old deadline on January 1st, right in the middle of the season. So it's actually designed for 12 and under. Right. But because hockey goes across the season, they they pull it up to 13 and under rather than pushing it back. Um, So there's a lot of agreement that once we go to full ice, we might want to divide by skill level. They're
0: on a smaller surface. They play on half ice at under 13. Uh. Uh,
1: 12, 11 and 12 is full ice. So 10, 10 is uh, uh, still cross or half. 10 is half. Nine is cross. Okay. Okay.
0: Um,
1: And then 11 is, uh, is full ice for the first time. But the, the struggle, again, you go back to that difference of skill level in these teams um, and you get the breakaway. That's all it is. Is the fastest kid with the puck going because he can skate by the ankle benders. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Escape for the fastest in a straight line. It doesn't, so doesn't matter what country you're in. <laughs> exactly. But, but talking about the parents, you've got yeah. parents on all of these different skill levels and they're all talking about their kid. They're all talking about the opportunities that their kid should have. My kid should have the opportunity to train with that kid because that kid will make my kid better. And then that kid's parents are saying, my kid doesn't want to train with that kid because he pulls my kid down. Mm -hmm. So where does Mm -hmm. my kid get the challenge? And that's where you get Mm -hmm. some of this playing up uh, conversation is they think that if I play with an older player, my kid will get challenged. Right. Right. So, yeah.
0: Well, we, we, uh, we've had this conversation just around your dinner hour and I've noticed that while we've been on the zoom call, Frederick and, uh, and David, you guys have been sipping beer. Which beer are you having today, Dave?
1: Uh, I am doing a uh, Lervig Lucky Jack. Uh, Lervig is okay. one of the local breweries in uh, in mm-hmm. Stavanger. And Frederick, you've been uh,
0: having what? Uh, just a uh, two So uh, you had the two last time we talked too. So it yeah. seems to be a favorite. I, I thank you both gentlemen uh, Dave and uh, Frederick for, for taking your time on this afternoon I see the sun shining on Zoom here right into uh, Frederick's face you have sunshine and we haven't had much of it here in Eastern Ontario in the last week or so but uh, yeah I thank you for your time. I wish you much luck to both of you and your clubs next season. We will be in touch again for sure because I'm going to be all over I'm going to be all over you to get an invitation out there all expenses paid to see what goes go. on. Yeah. Okay. You can arrange that. Can't you?
1: Uh, I'll figure you out can. something. You're, you're, you're right. number two in the list, uh, right behind Frederick.
0: Well, wait a second now, but I'm, I'm in North America. So that requires a little bit more planning. And what about Dean? You have to
1: invite Dean over as well. Oh, I got to get Dean over. Uh, there, yeah. there's a, there's a, a long list. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you,
0: Frederick. Thank you, Dave. Best of luck with your clubs and, uh, You've been listening to Grassroots, the Minor Hockey Podcast. I'm Richard Burkeson. You've been listening to uh, Dave Laszlo and Frederick Mailing from uh, Norway uh, talking about hockey in Scandinavia. Until next time, thank you. Take care. Bye, Dave. Bye, Frederick. Bye, guys.